Okay, so, uh, so far in our sessions that we've been doing on spiritual disciplines, we've looked at faith, acceptance and submission. And this evening we're going to be tackling confession. <laughs> so it's a, a really meaty talk, so I just bear with me. So firstly, what is confession? So when we look at the dictionary definition, it says a formal statement admitting that one is guilty of a crime or an acknowledgement that one has done something which one is ashamed or embarrassed about. But when looking at confession in the context of spiritual discipline or as good habits, is it enough to just make a statement or just to acknowledge that we've done something wrong? I would say the answer is no. I would suggest that whether we are in a Christian context or not, we can all understand the significance of first confessing, admitting one's guilt, but then there is a need for repentance, showing genuine remorse. It is not enough to just hold our hands up and say, yeah, I did it. We might as well just shrug our shoulders at the same time and say, so what? Without repentance, a genuine feeling of remorse and regret, there is no accountability for our actions. We are not taking responsibility and acknowledging the consequences of our actions. It is not enough to just say, I did it. We have to confess, we have to repent, and we have to be willing to be held accountable. Now we can see this in the secular world. When it comes to our legal system, as some of us are well aware, punishments for crimes are often reliant on the offender's attitude towards their crime. If the defendant pleads not guilty and is then found guilty at trial, they will receive a harsh sentence. However, if a defendant is charged with a crime <coughs> but they admit their guilt, the defendant will receive a lesser punishment as they have confessed. Furthermore, if the defendant is showing genuine remorse, then confessing to the crime, when the judge is deciding an appropriate sentence, a more lenient punishment is often considered more fitting. So why is this? Why is it not enough to just confess, hold our hands up and admit our guilt? Why do we need to repent and show genuine remorse also? It's because we need to be willing to be held accountable for our actions. We have to take responsibility. Therefore, I'm going to redefine the confession in the context of a spiritual discipline to include confession, the admittance of guilt, repentance, showing genuine remorse, and then accountability, being ready and willing to be held accountable and received our just punishment. This is true confession. We can see great examples of this in the 12 steps. For those of you that haven't ever attended AA or NA or GA or any of the other recovery groups, here are some of the steps which are used to help bring healing and recovery. Number four is make a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Number five, admit to God to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Number six, 
be entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of our character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Number eight, make a list of all persons we have harmed and become willing to make amends to them all. Number nine, make direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. And number 10, continue to take personal inventory and when we are wrong, promptly admit it. More than half of the 12 steps are connected <clears throat> to true confession. So now we know what confession is, next we need to know why do we need to confess? What are the consequences of sin? And followed by how do we confess? So firstly and most importantly, we confess because the Bible tells us to. In Hosea 14 it says, Your sins have brought you down. Bring your confessions and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all our sins and graciously receives us. And then it goes on to say, The paths of the Lord are true and right, and righteous people live by walking in them. But in those paths, sinners stumble and fall. When we confess, God shows us grace. He shows us undeserved favour. He forgives us. He removes our sins from us so that we don't stumble and fall and so that our sins do not bring us down. When we confess, God removes the burden of sin from our lives. Matthew 11:28 says, Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Jesus tells us that we should confess because sin is a burden that we do not have to carry. But if we go back to the original definition of confession... It says, a normal statement admitting that one is guilty of a crime, an acknowledgement that one has done something which one is ashamed or embarrassed about. We can see that guilt, shame and embarrassment are a direct result of sin. These are some of the burdens that Jesus is talking about. However, this does not have to be the case. Jesus died on the cross for us to release us from every burden attached to every sin. And it's up to us to choose to live in that freedom. For there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Our sins have been removed from us as far as the east is from the west. When we confess, God unburdens us. He lifts the burden off our shoulders that weighs us down. We then no longer carry the burdens of guilt and shame, embarrassment and other burdens attached to sin, such as fear. In Psalms 32, it says, Finally, I confessed all my sin to you and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. How amazing is that? As well as sin being a burden, are there any other consequences of sin? Sin is a barrier that comes between us and God. 
and it makes us unclean and feel unworthy to stand before God. In Isaiah 59, it says, But your sins have separated you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, and he will not hear you. Sin blocks our communication with God. It's like cotton wool in both his ears and ours, stopping us from having effective communication with him. And no relationship works without effective communication. As well as sin being a burden and being a blockage, the greatest consequence of sin is death. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The amazing thing is that God loves us. Romans 5.8 says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And because of his love for us and God sending Jesus to carry our sins on the cross for us, Jesus has taken our punishment for us. Because of Jesus, we don't carry the burdens of sin. Because of Jesus, there is no blockage between us and God. And most importantly, because of Jesus, we have eternal life. And all of this is for us, for the taking, for each of us. But it's our choice to humble ourselves before God, to confess our sins and to receive the gifts of love, mercy, grace and freedom. So, what do we need to do to confess? How do we confess? How do we get this freedom from sin that we have available to us through Jesus? We say sorry. It's as simple as that. We say sorry and we mean it. We have to be genuine remorseful. If we tell God that we are sorry, the true definition of sorry is that I am remorseful for my actions and I intend not to do the same thing again. Then God accepts our apology and he accepts our confession. Our sins are removed from us. We are free, but we have to mean it. In 1 Samuel 16, it said, The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. It is no good to just hold our hands up. We have to mean it. But how do we know what we need to confess? What needs confessing? I believe that we all have a moral compass. We all have a conscience. Every human being has been made in the image of God. Thus, every human, providing they get the opportunity to reach the right level of development, has the ability to understand right and wrong. Our consciences are a gift from God to prompt us when our thoughts, words or actions are not in line with God's word. When we get that niggle, we should say sorry to God. But is that always true? Does everyone get a niggle when we are about to do or have done something wrong? Unfortunately, the answer is no. I think that we can break our conscience. We can break our moral compass. We can break the thing deep inside us that tells us that we have done wrong. 
Have you ever put a magnet underneath a compass and it just makes the dial spin round in all directions and it no longer gives a true reading of the correct direction? A compass can be negatively affected by its surroundings and so can we. Our conscience, the niggle deep inside of us, tells us if what we are doing is wrong. Our moral compass can be broken. We adapt to our surroundings. If we surround ourselves with certain people who are always doing the same certain things, then this becomes normal to us. My mum always used to say to me, if you bath in dirty water, you cannot expect to come out clean. She's a very wise woman. Yeah, but the water gets dirty as soon as you get in it, so you never come out clean. You need to wash in clean water. Yeah, but you, the water's not clean if you're getting in it. It gets dirty as soon as you get in it. Find the shower instead, then. <laughs> Good call. Just wash. <laughs> we can also reduce... Have you seen the prices of water rates these days? We can also reduce our conscience's effectiveness. The more we ignore our conscience, the less in tune we become to it. The more we ignore it, the quieter it becomes. We tune out. When we're in a room full of people and there are lots of conversations going on at once, it's up to us to choose which conversation we want to focus on. We can tune into a conversation and focus on it and tune out of the ones that we don't want to listen to. And as a result of our choice of what we choose to give our attention to, it's as if the conversation that we choose not to focus on, that we choose not to listen to, actually becomes quieter. And this is what happens with our conscience. If we choose not to focus on it, if we tune out of it, it will become quieter until we may not even be able to hear it at all. And as with everything that we do, listening to our conscience is a choice. Like with Jiminy Cricket in Pinocchio, just because we have been given our conscience, as with Pinocchio, it's up to us to choose to listen to it. And we need to choose our friends carefully. We have to choose what situations we choose to put ourselves in. We are responsible for our choices and we are responsible for what we allow to become normal to us. What everyone else is doing it is not a valid excuse. We need to get our standards from the Bible. But of course we all fall short. And that's where confession and God's forgiveness, love and mercy come into play. Now is confession something that we need to do more than once? I would say yes. It is true that Jesus was the one-time sacrifice for all sin... Through Jesus, we have been made clean. When we choose to come to him and be baptised, we are cleansed of all our sin and all the burdens attached to all sin are removed from us. Romans 5, 8 says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Through Jesus' death, we have been made righteous and holy. However... The spiritual discipline of confession is an ongoing state and attitude. An ongoing state to help keep our thoughts, words and behaviours in check. To keep us humble before God, reliant on his grace and mercy and in awe of his kindness. If we remain in a state of confession, 
We avoid picking up any burdens attached to sin. We avoid a blockage being created between us and God that could affect our relationship. And it is also possible for us to pick up these burdens again. We get so used to carrying our sins. We get used to the feeling of unworthiness. We get used to a state of self-pity and self-loathing. Because we are human, we are not used to living life free of the burden of sin. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Carrying our burdens becomes a habit. We may say sorry, but instead of leaving our sins with Jesus, we pick them back up again and carry on carrying them. But this is not how it is supposed to be. Jesus doesn't want you to carry these burdens. He wants to carry them for you. This is why confession has to be an ongoing state. If we recognise that we are carrying the burden of sin, we have to take it to Jesus and let him carry it for us. As Jesus said to the man at the pool in John 1, do you want to be healed? Jesus has the answer for all of us to be free, but it's up to us to choose to walk in that freedom. But what about if we don't feel remorse? What about if we're not ready to say sorry? We wait until we do. As we mature as Christians, God is refining our character. Things that at one point we may not have been willing or ready to bring before God, as we mature, the Holy Spirit will convict us and we will become ready. In John 16, 8, it says, and when he comes, he will, when he is the Holy Spirit, and when he, the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. You may have heard the analogy of us being like onions. We have many layers and God works on us a layer at a time. We may get to a place where we think we are sorted or as sorted as we're going to get and then the Holy Spirit reveals something else to us. It could be pride or jealousy or a secret habit that isn't good for us but we just can't stop doing. It could be self-loathing, self-pity, shame, guilt. At one time, living like this might seem acceptable to us. It might be our normal. But if we press into God as we mature, we realise that more freedom is available to us. Is it enough to confess to God, or do we need to confess to others? James 5.16 says, And if you have committed any sin, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. The Bible tells us that we should confess to one another. But why is that necessary? Do we actually need other people's forgiveness? In Ephesians 5, 6, it says, Since you have become the Lord's people, you are in the light. So you must live like people who belong to the light. For it is the light that brings a rich harvest of every kind of goodness, righteousness and truth. Try to learn what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the worthless things that people do. Things that belong to the darkness. Instead, bring them out into the light. 
And when all things are brought out into the light, then their true nature is clearly revealed. For anything that is clearly revealed <coughs> becomes light. When we confess our sins to each other and bring them out into the light, our sins lose their power over us. The enemy loses his power over us. If our sins, our secret habits, our fears, our pride, our shame, our guilt, our hate, our unforgiveness is brought out into the light, then they are no longer in darkness and healing can begin. And when we confess our sins to one another, we can support one another. In Galatians 6.1 it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any sin, you who are spiritual are to restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness, not with a sense of superiority or self-righteousness, but keeping a watchful eye on yourself so that you are not tempted as well. Carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfil the requirements of the law of Christ, that is, the law of Christian love. With a fellowship like we have here at Cornerstone, we have a safe place where we can confess and we can get support. We were not made to do this Christian journey alone. God intended us to do it in relationship with Christians. Just to clarify, I'm not saying that we should tell everyone all of our secrets. I do not think that God wants us to tell everyone everything. How many days you've got three? I've got plenty of them. If we did that, we would be putting ourselves in a vulnerable position and we could get seriously hurt. But by using wisdom, listening to prompting from the Spirit, it is sometimes necessary to share some things with someone. If there is a burden that just will not go away, if the enemy is holding us hostage with our sin, choose someone you trust, someone who doesn't gossip, Someone who won't judge and condemn. Someone who will encourage you and support you. And in return, we should be willing to be that person for others. Now you may be thinking, but I'm a good person. I have no need to confess. In 1 John 1, it says, If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him... He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from our wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. So, to sum up, confession isn't just holding our hands up and saying we did it. It's showing genuine remorse. God looks at our hearts and knows if we are genuine. Confession as a spiritual discipline is an ongoing state, humbling ourselves before God. It is an ongoing, lifelong process. When we think we are sorted, God will reveal something else in us that needs dealing with. He is continually refining us. Once we confess and the burden of sin is removed from us, it is our responsibility not to pick it back up again. And it also remains our responsibility to make the right choices in the first place. <laughs> I can't remember who said this, but Christian maturity doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. Christian maturity means that when we do make mistakes, we get quicker at recognising it 
and quicker to say sorry. So I'm going to close with a verse from Psalms. Psalms 32 says, What happiness for those whose guilt has been forgiven. What joys when sins are covered over. What relief for those who have confessed their sins and God has cleared their record. Now I say that each believer should confess his sins to God when he is aware of them. While there is time to be forgiven, judgment will not touch him if he does. Thank you very much. Okay.